Hello and welcome to Better Words. My name is Caitlin and I blog at Just a Bookish Babe and with me I have my co-host Michelle. Hey Caitlin, I'm Michelle and I blog at The Unfinished Bookshelf. Fantastic. <laughs> As if I didn't know that, of course I knew that. Anyway, um, <laughs> Michelle, what have you been doing today? Well, today I've been kind of having a weird week. Um, I've been... <laughs> I've been having a bit of a weird week. I've been um, very busy at work and so I've been quite tired and today was my day off and I really just wanted to read and instead I had all these things planned and I think it's made me quite anxious. So um, tonight I'm just going to relax with a book and just try and look after myself a little bit. Um, But I also did a blood donation today. Oh, fantastic. Michelle saved three lives today, everybody. <laughs> and that was a plug for the Red Cross. Um, <laughs> so I love donating blood. It makes me feel good. It really makes good. me feel so good. And, and everyone there is always really nice. Yeah, and it's actually, like, I was always afraid of, like, the needles and stuff, but um, it's actually not that bad, really. As long as I, no. I mean, for me, as long as I don't look at them, I'm yeah. fine. Same. Yeah. I'm pretty good with that. And it really, I mean, I always thought that a blood donation would take ages, but it really only oh, it takes, takes, like, like 20 minutes. Oh, well, I mean, like, the actual donating bit only takes, oh, like, seven. Exactly. At, like, yeah, it's wow, so quick. Wow, <laughs> Oh, shush. <laughs> I think, I, okay, I think my record is probably just over five minutes, but, yeah, yeah anyway. Yeah. Um, so, because I've been feeling a bit down this week as well, um, I've been doing the weirdest thing to cheer me up, which is listening to My Favourite Murder. Um, <laughs> what? So it's this awesome. Yes. Talking about murder always makes me feel better. Hey, it does. No, it's good. My at this point, I'm really listening for Karen and Georgia, who are the two hosts. They are amazing, and I'm going to see them when they're in Brisbane. I bought me mean great tickets. So I'm really excited. That's really awesome. Yeah, it's mm. so cool. Um, but yeah, it's basically just two friends talking about murder. So like us, but with murder. Not yeah, books. we're just two friends talking about books. Yeah, and other stuff. Yeah, but they're just so they each share a murder each week, and I don't know why, but like this week it's just really made me feel better. I think it's really good because they're also really open about their issues as well. Um, and they always talk about how um, talking about murder and stuff kind of makes them feel a bit better. And yeah, I've just found comfort in that this week, and the fact that they are just really cool people and they it's very funny. I know that's weird, like a podcast about murder, how can it be funny? But they are very funny, and, yeah, so it just made me feel better this week. <laughs> well, that's really good. Yeah. So apart from listening to my favourite murder, mm. what else have you been, I guess, consuming? Is that yeah. the word we're going with? Yeah, because it's, it's not just reading. Although, or, speaking of consuming, yeah. before we recorded, we just had dinner together. Mexican. Freaking yes. Mexican. It's our, it's like our favourite. It's like our group friend dish. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Some burritos. Oh, burrito bowl. Awesome. Fantastic. Yes. Caitlin can't have burritos because she's gluten intolerant. Yeah. Um, right. So burrito bowl is the next best thing. And I can have the tacos and quesadillas, which is a bit strange. I don't really know. Yeah. Anyway. Weird. Whatever. Not the point. Anyway. <laughs> Mexican, Mexican, Mexican night was really good. Yes. Literally consuming Mexican. But what else have you been consuming? Um, well, the other day I found the movie Holes on Netflix. Have you seen it? I have. <laughs> what do you think? Not a fan. Oh, really? No. Okay, oh, no, see, I had to read the book first in, like, year eight English or something, mm. and then we watched the movie, and I, d- I, I just didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it or mm. whatever. And then, of course, my younger brother loved it, so I've seen it more times than I would wish. Oh, but okay. Because you have a different opinion, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> 
so when when it came out like I don't even know when it came out but I remember watching it like I feel like I was around like 10 or 11 and like I may be wrong but I feel like um I watched like when I remember watching it I remember in the house we were living in I would have been about 10 or 11 um and I remember really enjoying it and then I think I read the book because I really enjoyed the movie and I watched it a couple of times but then like haven't watched it for like what like 10 15 years whatever um and then yeah we're gonna have to check how old this movie actually is do we have to do research though I don't yeah I don't know yeah Whatever, whatever. You can do your own research. Tell us if I'm wrong. But, <laughs> but I just saw it pop on, on Netflix and I was like, I haven't watched this movie in a while. Um, and, yeah, I still really liked it. Um, I like the way they have, like, two different stories. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, it's about this kid who gets sent to a juvenile detention facility, but instead of, like, being locked up, they are in the desert and they just dig holes because they're looking for treasure. Yeah, which is the, the thing that gets uncovered. Um, running alongside that is the story of the curse that's been put on his family, yeah. um, which apparently affects every man in his family, and they kind of go through that. And it all comes together quite nicely at the end. I, I don't I know. Have, I still like it. I have to admit, the way it all sort of ties together, the way, like, the story ends up in, like, this neat little bow is actually pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. But I still don't really enjoy the movie. Uh, and young Shia LaBeouf as well. Like, mm. No, I thought it was really cute. Like, it's kind of cute seeing him being, like, a little teenager. That, well, yeah. yeah like, looking back now. Like, yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Although, I know what I've been watching we both Ooh, really yes. like. What have you been watching? I have just finished season six of Offspring. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love that. So good. It's like the only oh, theme song I don't skip. Oh, you know? Yeah, it's so good. It's I really it. good. Um, oh, I think so I love that good. show so much because, like, if anyone even remotely knows me, if you if obviously you know me very well, mm-hmm. um, but people who, like, follow my blog or, like, have read a bit of my Twitter will know that I'm really like Nina Proudman. Like, I think that my three – the three people I most like – Monica from Friends, which is why you and some of our other friends call me Monica. <laughs> On um, yeah, yeah. Um, Hermione Granger, obviously, um, and because I'm just like a total nerd, and Nina Proudman because I've just can be really neurotic and anxious yeah. and like I just I I remember watching that show and be like oh my god this is like she's inside my head. It's so the way she it's like really talks. Well. Yeah, I love she's. That show. Oh, Asha Ketty is just She's awesome. I love it. Like, okay, let's be honest. And this is a spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched, like, season four or whatever it is. Like, it's not the same without Patrick, I will say. Matlin Evans is, like, Oh, he's best. so good. He's And, you know, now he's gone from love to child as well. Like, I know. I've just, he needs to get back on our screens. I have to say, when we, like, were first seeing the ads that he was going to be on love child, I was like, if – they have a baby together and then he dies. I'm going to be really annoyed. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, it's not. Spoiler. It's like not what happened. Spoiler alert. Um, okay, it's yeah, not sorry. exactly what happened. But like he but left. Yeah, he's not so on the show anymore if anyone is not watching Basically it. enough. Sorry if we're Close enough. This. Spoiler's over. Sorry. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Some more might spill out. We're sorry about that. <laughs> you should be watching those shows anyway exactly. and be up to date with them. And I mean, let's be honest, Patrick died on Offspring like, like four, four years, years ago. Yeah, like. He died ages ago. If you don't know that, then you don't watch social media at all. Yeah. 
But I knew that before I started watching this. Yeah, so did I. So did I. But I didn't think it was going to affect me as much as like that. It's uh, really sad. And I, I so saw one sad. of those BuzzFeed articles that was like why it's still the most brutal death on television really the other day. Is. And I started like tearing up at my desk at work. We're going to link that in our show notes, which you'll find at our website, yes. which will give you all the details at the end of the episode. But I'll link it. It's, it's going to make you tear up if you watch Offspring. It's just like, oh. oh. So where are you up to in Offspring, though? Because I know that new season is on TV right now. Yeah, is that well, what you're watching? Season, season seven yeah. has um, begun on television, airing, you know, on TV. Um, I, am not, I have not watched it. I finished season six. Okay. So I don't really know what happens in season seven yet. But uh, I am planning on watching it, like, on catch-up and, like, keeping up this yeah. time. To be honest, neither do I because I've recorded some episodes, but work's been really crazy, so I'll probably, like, bulk watch. had a couple yeah. or something, I think. Like, we're, it's we're not that behind. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we haven't watched Offspring. Can I just say, though, with Offspring, and I know this is probably branching out a little bit, but do you agree with me that, that the first season just doesn't feel the same? Like, Chris, the whole Chris Hubble thing? Yeah. I just... Looking back on it, I don't like season one. Like, it just... It is not... It is definitely not the best season. No. It's just not indicative of what the rest of the season yeah. is going to be like. It does set up a lot of stuff. But exactly. Her, I mean, I her obsession really with Chris Havel, like, now I'm just like, oh, please, Nina, move on. Move yeah. on. Yeah. I don't really know what the plan was with that. Yeah. Like, I don't know what happened if he couldn't come back to the show. I don't know yeah. how it worked. Because, I mean, but... like, he's a great actor. Like, yeah. I do, and I do appreciate him on screen, yeah. what's to say, but, yeah, I just, that whole storyline, story yeah. it just, and then the second season feels so different, although I must say, I still love that song that Mick sings, Does six six you're, you're a perfect ten, yeah, so that's so we'll it's link so that good. too, because it's a great yeah, song, yeah, it's great, I'm sure it's on YouTube, and it's so good, and oh, so it's good. just, yeah, <laughs> Eddie, is it Eddie Perfect? Is that his name? He is. Which, like, also, of course, best that's name his ever. Name. Best of course, it's his name. Yeah. He is perfect. Yeah. He's so he has good. made me want to start watching Play School again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Kayla, please. <laughs> no, I wouldn't watch Play School for Eddie Perfect. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, what else have you been doing? Well, I'm actually pretty excited about this, although I have to admit I'm reading it very, very slowly. And hopefully how I, I like say, to read books. Hopefully when I say what it is, you'll understand why. The Love Oswaye Anthology. <gasps> Yay! Yes, so I have started it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just point out now, I'm nowhere near finishing it. I don't know when I will finish it because it's a bunch of short stories. I'm just yeah, you can it just, one at a time. Yeah, you can, and it's nice. It's a nice pace. Like all the short stories are a pretty good length. Yeah. So you can enjoy them and yeah. then put it down for a bit. Yeah, and I'm really enjoying that, especially because, I mean, you don't get that with a lot of, a lot of books. Like, I sometimes I feel bad for putting it down, but it's a whole new story. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's really good. I need more more books like this. <laughs> so I'm actually kind of reading that as well, which I'm, I'm really enjoying. Winning. <laughs> um, what's your favourite story so far without, like, giving too much away? So far, okay, this is not going to give almost nothing away because my favourite story so far, I think, is I actually really, really liked the first one. <gasps> yes, that was really good. So yeah. do you want to explain it? Well, the first one was actually based around the idea of the first human born on Mars. So she's like the first Martian. But it had this social media aspect that everyone on Earth is still keeping up with her life. 
And honestly, I would read a whole book about that. I really thought the social media idea was very interesting. It's like, you know I'm not into sci-fi. Oh, neither But, and yeah, exactly, we're more contemporary people, but I would totally read a whole book about that too. That was because really interesting. Because it's not about space. Exactly. It's about social media. Exactly. It was really cool. Which it was really cool. is your niche because in yes. case anyone doesn't know, Caitlin is a social media marketing officer. Yes, that is my real title. Yeah. Good Yay, job. I got it right. See, mine's just one word. It's super easy. So, <laughs> journalist. Yeah, just in case you didn't know. Um, so, yeah, you're like life is – and obviously with our blogs and this podcast, we spend probably a bit too much time on social media. I mean, it's all pretty productive. I mean, social media is my job. We uh, do do this well, as an yeah, extra like, thing, I think. But Sometimes I find myself having scrolled for hours on Instagram and I'm like, holy hell, where did the time go? Like, that's a bit yeah. scary. Yeah. I need to keep track of that. <laughs> yes, that's true. But I will say this, because it is my job and I do it for the blog in this podcast, I'm not wasting that much time that's on social true. media. That's true. I'm using it effectively. You are. <laughs> it's all research. Exactly. It's all research. <laughs> but it's it's really cool that you mention that because we actually have a really cool guest joining us tonight. Yeah, I'm so excited. today or whenever you're listening to the podcast. They're yeah, joining exactly. us on this episode. Um, and, and we're super excited. We're going to be back real soon. Our guest this week is a writing and publishing Wonder Woman. She's been blogging at Alpha Reader for a number of years with several award-winning short stories. Her non-fiction writing has also appeared in Kill Your Darlings, Daily Life, The Wheeler Centre and Junior Books and Publishing. She's also an agent with Jacinta DeMass Media Management. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> should I start again or should we just keep going? Let's just keep going. She also edited an anthology of Australian young adult stories, which was published this year and which we are both really enjoying. Welcome to Better Words, Danielle Binks. Yay! Oh, hi! <laughs> hi! Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so um, I guess that the, the thing to start off with, and I think the thing that everyone is knowing you for at the moment, is the, the Love Oz YA movement and the anthology. So, yes, we're um, both reading it at the moment, yeah, actually. And really, really oh. enjoying it. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. That would be really awkward if it was just a big thud. We don't really like it. <laughs> no. Yeah, God, no. We hate Australian young yeah. no. Yeah. no, we love it. It's all good. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really good. Um, so, I guess the thing is, you've been like a major part of that from day one, which I think was just us all on social media talking about books and so it was it was very I remember it starting and it was it was just kind of grew so organically what are you most proud of in the the way it's grown and where do you see it going in the future um well you're right it did start really organically but it kind of started from some bad news that we had it was uh 2015 and the Australian Australian Library and Information Association ALIA actually released for the first time they started doing top 10 lists of the most borrowed books four categories and they had a category of adult fiction, adult non-fiction, children's and young adults and in three of those categories, adult fiction, non-fiction and children's, it was an even split of Australian authors and international authors of the most borrowed books but in the young adult list there were only two Australian young adult authors listed and that was Marcus Dusak and Ali Marnie and oh, the rest wow. of the books, yeah, the rest of the books were all um, what you would expect of American YA it was all the stuff that had been recent blockbusters. So, so it was The Fault in Our Stars yeah. and A 
another and another John Green book. It was um, yeah, like oh, the Cassandra, ones that were movies was, and stuff like that. Yeah, it was you know Cassandra Clare and Percy Jackson and all that sort of stuff, and it was really disappointing. And I quite liked though that our community's response. I mean, before we even really, we always knew that we had a community. There was this sort of nebulous, all of us talking together, but not really putting a fine point on the fact that we were all in this together. Mm. Um, but when that when that happened, when that bad news happened, we all sort of, you know, gave each other pats on the back and said, "Hold on, we are amazing. Let's talk about how amazing we are, and let's let's not be negative about this. Let's just put out there how much we love." the literature of, of our nation, the young adult literature of our nation. Let's talk about that. So that's where it all started. It started from sort of bad news. But instead of turning around and getting really grumpy about it, we turned around and decided to just talk even louder about how much we love our books. Um, and there is still a ways to go because, for instance, this year Ali have brought out their top ten most borrowed list. And in the young adult list this year, there were no Australian authors. It was oh, all wow. international. No. Yeah. Oh, and, no. And it was. It was. I made a comment on it um, for the for the Alia blog actually, where I said because there were two Harry Potter books in the most borrowed list. Oh. And I just thought, you know, like it, it was it was so boring and predictable, and not to mm. say that Harry Potter is boring, but it was the fact of yes. Harry Potter nobody, is always going to be the top of the list. Yeah. Really. Like nobody needs to discover those books. Nobody at this point is discovering Harry Potter. Harry Potter is known. You know, he doesn't need help getting discovered. Um, and, and it was it was awfully lacking in diversity as well. If there was one um, uh, person of colour on the list, and, wow. and that, that person was on there because they had a manga comic series made of their of their books. Um, so it was just a really disappointing list again, and it was very much dominated by American blockbuster books. Wow. Um, so there's obviously still work to do. Uh, this isn't going to be something that is fixed overnight, but again, I still think our community's response was to one actually form a community and accept that we are all part of this, and that reading the books about national young adult literature actually helps all of us. And yet, yeah, yeah. starting to, to go forward positively and say, what can we do to help? So there's still a long ways to go, but I think we're going to get there eventually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I mean, I've obviously gotten a lot more into reading in the past couple of years and that kind of thing. But I, whenever I read an Australian book, I'm always so refreshed by how Australian it is because so much of our media is American. Like all the TV shows and everything we love, it's all American. And like, oh, I think it was in um, Gabrielle Williams' My Life is a, as a Hashtag. Which is in like, so good. It's I so loved good. it. But in, like, the first chapter, the main character had, like, a Milo for afternoon tea, and I was like, oh, it's so Australian. (laughs) Actually, I tweeted Gab Williams. Um, There's a bit where she's in, like, a corner store trying to buy some milk, and she says, like, oh, do we get skim milk or do we get full cream milk? And I tweeted that, do you remember that Paul's ad that's, like, low-fat, no-fat, high-calcium, high-protein? I can't stop now. Soy, light, skim, (laughs) omega-3, something else. And then she's like, but there's also Paul Smart. So I tweeted her that. I was just like, this ad, this is what this part of the book reminds me of. Um, I think it's interesting. Sorry, sorry. It's it's amazing, though. It's something as small as a milk bar Mm, in a book. Yeah. It's instantly, iconically, you know, Australian. Yeah. Like in the UK, they probably call it it like the corner shop, you know? And and, and in the 
U.S., it might be like, you know, go down to the 7-Eleven or whatever they have. But exactly. ours, because that is a milk bar. It's those little tiny signifiers that you don't realize because we're all living in this shell together of this, you know, cultural shell that we're all in in Australia. Exactly. It's really not until, until you sort of step back from it. You know, it, the, the, the big thing is when you go traveling overseas. Mm, yeah, and, you, and that's, sure. that, that's when you feel like the most Australian because you realize, <laughs> oh, there are certain things, you know, like we call it thongs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Something like as, as, as innocent as footwear suddenly takes on this huge cultural meaning when you're in a different mm-hmm. country. Yeah. You know, um, the one that got me yeah. when I went overseas at the end of last year is um, I was talking to um, a German lady that I met, and I don't know what we were talking about, but I said, oh, that's a bummer. And the person I was traveling with had quickly was like, oh, that means like, oh, no, or whatever. And I was like, I never realized that that was an Australian thing. Yeah. <laughs> the other one is, is saying, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, you know. <laughs> oh, the American exchange students at my uni used to say things like, we say heaps. Like, we say that we've got heaps of books or heaps of this or heaps of that. They were like, what? No one says that That's in America. That's Australian? I don't yeah. know that. I don't I never thought about it that way. Um, it's interesting what we were saying before, though, that, like, we did have a community, but it just wasn't, you know, formed as such. Because yeah. I remember when I started blogging. Exactly. We were all there. Yeah. When I started blogging five years ago, I remember a lot of the other bloggers I was following from overseas would always talk about, and they were obsessed with Australian young adult literature and they would always talk about how amazing it was and I think that's how I kind of discovered it more because I was seeing their enthusiasm and they're like telling me which books to read and stuff so it definitely like Aussie YA has always had a presence overseas but not like mainstream and it's and it's it's so good that we've got something that we can push with like a proper hashtag and yeah, exactly. Yeah. This proper movement now that yeah. we've really formed before that you formed. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, well, I, was, yeah. I was just one of many that formed it, but, but for me, I remember because I started blogging in 2009, mm-hmm. and 2009 was also the year that Melina Marquetta won the American Prince Award for On the Jellicoe Road, or Jellicoe Road as it's known over there. Mm-hmm. And the Prince Award is sort of like the Oscars equivalent in young adult literature over there. Like, it is yeah. the highest honour that you can win in America, and, and Melina won it. And I was so proud of her. And I love <laughs> yeah. Jellicoe Road. It's one of my favourite books of all time. Um, but that, that was for me was just – and then I remember hearing Melina talk about when she reads, when she was in America touring with the book and she was reading excerpts of it that she would have people coming up to her afterwards and saying, oh, it's so weird to hear Taylor Markham with an Australian voice because <laughs> she's, she's American. <laughs> and, I remember, and I remember kind of going, ha-ha, ha-ha, no. ha-ha, she's, she's an Aussie girl. And, uh, <laughs> that's when I put it that, oh wow, Australia has a national youth literature and we are on a world stage. Mm. And that is that is something to be proud of. Yeah. And to take pride in. And I was you know, yeah, and, I, and that's definitely I'm still is. so thrilled with that Melina Melina Marketo, who was one of our finest writers, not just of young adult literature, but one of the finest writers Australia has ever produced, yeah. won the highest accolades in American young adult literature. And that just that was the perfect way to sort of start my book blogging career was, was to remember that I'm Australian and I can love, you know, my youth literature and I can still love books from all over the world, but that Aussie YA has, has a special pride of place in my heart. Mm. Yeah, um, I agree. Let's talk a bit about the anthology because, like we said, we're both reading it. 
how did you even start? Because like, we've just said there are so many amazing Australian Aussie, like, well, Australian Aussie authors. What am I talking about? There are so many amazing authors in our country. So many of them were part of this movement. How did you narrow it down? I just don't even know how you start. Oh, well, so first of all, I was completely caught up in the Love Loves Way hashtag and mm. online movement. I, I was doing things like creating posters for schools and libraries, highlighting like our books and everything. I was making which we'll link to. We'll link to those. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I was, <laughs> I was totally caught up in all of that, and then one day HarperCollins emailed me. Um, Trend Bing from HarperCollins emailed me and said, "Like, can I have a chat with you about something?" And I, I kind of thought I was in trouble. She said, Look, we've been watching the Love Love Way hashtag. Amanda Diaz, who was an absolute brilliant publicist in HarperCollins, had sort of thrown the idea out to them of why don't we harness the hashtag and make an anthology? And somehow, some way, through some sort of witchcraft, my name got thrown out to help the thing. Um, and purely because I was just doing my own thing of loving. Love Oz YA and just talking about it. Clearly, I was very shrill. People were listening to what I was saying. <laughs> and, you know, do you want to do this thing? And I instantly said, Oh my God, yes, but are you sure you want me? Uh, it, was, it was very much like, Are you sure you have the right Danielle things? Was there another person you were thinking of? Uh, but no, and, and I instantly just went up on the offer. And then it was a matter of, like you said, we have such a brilliant array of young adult authors in this country. And the hardest thing we had to do was Trent and I both came up with a list, a really, really, really long list of wish list of authors. And then we went looking for where we had crossovers mm-hmm. in that list. And we started mm-hmm. going down the line that way. And yeah. and there were some people that we that I asked who couldn't do it because they had deadlines and they had books coming out or books that needed to be written. But they said to me, like, if there's another one, I definitely want to be asked again. <laughs> Yeah, wow. um, but the, the, the people that we did get on board, I was surprised when all of them said yes because they are all busy, 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 incredible people. Mm. But but they all kind of said, you know what, I'm going to carve out time for this because it matters. And um, we, were, we were just so lucky with who we hit on for this anthology because I think we've got a really great group of people together. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, definitely have. Like, it's really good. Yeah, no, it's great. But also, Danielle, I don't think you should be saying, like, it was by luck because you have been working at this. You've been working for ages and, you know, you've been writing, you've been writing away even before um, when I was just following your blog before we really interacted, I would see you posting things for Kill Your Darlings and stuff. So, like, you've been working at this for a while. You deserve the success. Well, probably the key is that it never, it never felt like work to me. Yeah. It always felt like it took me a long time to realise that I had shifted at some point, that this was no longer my hobby. Mm. It was something that I had committed to. And, you know, for a long time I was on the periphery of the industry. I was I was studying at RMIT um, and I was trying to sort of break into the industry as a publicist. Mm. And that took a few years to happen and then I did. And I became a publicist for a few independent publishers. So I also wasn't working in YA for a long time, but I was always, as you said, I was always writing about YA. And I was always getting opportunities to share my opinions about YA. Um, but for a long time, I just I just treated it as a hobby. I treated it as something that I really liked and that I was always honoured to be given the opportunity to share my thoughts. But it took a long time for me to snap, to sort of snap to and realise, hold on, I'm really passionate about this. And mm. this is the life that I have chosen for myself. But it took a long time for me to, to sort of admit that something that could be so much fun to me 
skills that I've sort of become my whole life in a way. Yeah. So I think that was the, that was the key was recognizing that it was work. Yeah. But I was sort of surprised when somebody said to me like, "Here's your dream job. Do you want to do this?" And I was like, "Hold on, really? Okay, like, and this Wait, be, like, my actual job." Yeah. So, yeah. Wait, I'll, I'll get paid to do this. Like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. It was it was very bizarre. Of, you know, dream job. Here's all these authors that you greatly admire, and you get to go up to them and say, "Hey, could you please write me an original short story?" <laughs> I was like, yeah. What? Are you talking about? <laughs> um, but it was it was constantly a pinch me moment, and even now, as I'm like touring with some of these authors for the book, it mm. is constantly a, a pinch me moment that I get to sit next to like Walker Sarkis and Lily Wilkinson and, and Amy and Ellie and everyone, and I get to talk with them and to them about what we've created. It's amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, were there any authors who didn't take part this time that, you know, maybe you'd love to see take part in the future? Or are you, you know, do you think we'll get a, another volume? Oh, yes. I have a very long list of who <laughs> I would like to invite for a second anthology. Um, but I won't share it. Because I think it would be kind of cool if it was a surprise. Oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I agree, like, but I'm still disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally allowed. But I would say there's no plans for a second anthology yet. That is entirely possible. Yeah. Um, but I assume that a lot of the people who are listening to this might be bloggers and will have already got a copy but if you're listening to this and you haven't bought a copy of begin and begin a love oz way anthology it is beautiful go out and buy it because i want a second volume so please go yeah, do this exactly. for me we've got our fingers <laughs> we've got our fingers crossed now so make it a success so we can have another one yeah because it's and i mean it's an awesome book anyway you'll enjoy it just trust oh, us it's on fantastic. that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be great um so oh, it's Freaking beautiful! So like, yeah, the so cover art is amazing. Gorgeous. What did you think when you first saw it? Oh, the cover! I kind of love the the, the story behind the cover art as oh, well. Oh, yeah. So we want to hear this. The, we want to hear the story. Well, <laughs> the, the, the person who created it is a is a young woman called Kate Pullen, who is part of a group called the Letterettes, which is very very cool. Look at their Instagram account, the Letterettes. They're incredible. We'll link that. Definitely <laughs> will. Oh, stories it's time travel stories it's contemporary stories 
that mm. worked as a concept, but putting that on the cover. Be a bit of a mess, look, actually. Yeah. It would look bizarre. So I said, look, I want it to be a little bit of a tribute to Australiana, but I don't want it to have, like, the Australian flag or green and gold or boxing mm. kangaroos. None of that, please. Yeah. And just, and a little bit tacky. Where, oh, we, we wanted it to look luxe. Yeah. That was the word to be used again and again. Let's make it look luxe and Instagram-worthy. Yeah. Um, and I, it that it is. But I, I, got, I got to approach one of my high school classmates and say to her, hey, I'm doing this YA thing. Do you want to illustrate it? And she jumped at the chance. And it was amazing because, you know, we, we came up together through high school and then we got to work on this YA anthology together. So it was That's really, really cool. Yeah. And also, yeah. also, Kate, if you're listening, we have a lot of blank walls in Rockhampton that could really do with some nice artwork. <laughs> so please come tell me I'll write an article about it for the local paper and we'll all be good to go. <laughs> she is so tall. The things that she can do with a blank wall, pretty incredible. The, all, all of the letterettes are absolutely incredible. And I think it also worked out quite nicely that Kate sort of took the helm on this anthology, but there are four mm. letterettes. So potentially if there was going to be a second anthology, I think I'd like to say to one of the other letterettes, Hey, do you want to have a go at illustrating the second one and the third one and the fourth one? Well, yeah, I don't so. think you need to stop it too. I mean, if there are four, then we can have four volumes, one yeah. for each. I mean, oh. that just seems perfectly logical to me. Well, you know what? HarperCollins, they said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the sound waves now. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. We put it in the universe and it's going to come back. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit before you know, your work trying to get into the publishing industry and stuff. And now you're working as an agent. And I really hope in my very, very jumbled pronunciation of the company that you work with, that was terrible at reading that introduction it's, out. Uh, it's just uh, demanding. Yeah. Okay. So I did kind of yeah. pronounce it wrong. <laughs> Apologies, Jacinta. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm terrible at names. Um, which is why, you know, I write and stuff instead. I'm not usually, (laughs) not usually broadcasting except on this podcast. It's very new. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so tell us about being an agent. How did you get into that? And you know, what, what do you do? Oh God, it goes back to like what you were saying before. It was just me. It it all started with me writing about YA. It was probably the first place I got asked to write about YA in a critical way was Kill Your Darling. Uh, the online literary journal because they recognised that they were sort of missing out on youth literature in their discussion in their journal. And I knew someone who had just gotten a job editing at Julia Darlings and they asked me, you know, can you write about YA for us, any Mm. topic that you're interested in? And I said, yes, of course, I'd love to. Um, And I decided to write about the lack of Indigenous representation in our YA of Indigenous writers. That was my first sort of launching point of writing about critically about YA. And Cleo Darling happily offered me sort of a two-year gig writing about YA, anything that I wanted to. And I took that as writing about YA in such a way as I didn't see other arts media treating YA the way I thought it should be treated. Mm. I, I didn't see them talking about it critically. I didn't see them really engaging with it in the same way that I saw bloggers and YouTubers engaging with it. Like... You know, the young women especially, young men and women bloggers, YouTubers, who I would read and listen to talking about YA, they were hella smart. Like, they were on point. And I did not see that reflected in the arts media discussions around youth literature. So I just wanted to bring some of that to the table. So I did that for years, and I was also just writing on my blog passionately, 
probably a little bit rambly. <laughs> I loved YA, and it turned out one day that I was sitting at uh, a place called the Wheeler Centre in Melbourne, which is sort of the hub for books and ideas, and I was waiting for my writer's group to kick off, and this woman sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hi, I recognise your hair. <laughs> um, it is very distinctive. <laughs> well, it's kind of nice, right? Um, you have to have curly hair, at least people can recognise who you are in a crowd. But she tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think I follow you on Twitter, I think I've read your articles, actually, your darlings, and I really like what you think about YA. I was just into, and she gave me her card and said, look, I, I'm a literary agent and I occasionally do roundtable manuscript assessments, which is where she gets so many manuscripts sent to her that she can't possibly read them all herself. So mm. she will occasionally, once a month, gather colleagues and people who she trusts and they'll do a sort of massive read-through of about 20 manuscripts. And then kind of we'll sit together and come back to her and tell her what we think, that there's anything in the sort of slush pile that should be considered you know, going forward, representation maybe. Um, so she invited me to sit in on one of those round tables and I was just purely curious. I just wanted to see, you know, what was yeah. happening in YA. She was doing yeah. a YA-specific round table. Um, so I sat in on that meeting and I really enjoyed it and we had very, very similar tastes, which was predominantly that we're both very outspoken feminists. <laughs> hey, we are too, it's fine. You're in the right place. <laughs> I, I think for about five different like, this would be so cool if it was gender flipped. Yeah. Um, and she started to get an idea of what I was sort of hoping to read. Mm. Um, and I went to, like, two more round table, round table assessments. And by the third one, she sort of said to me, look, Danielle, why don't you join me and actually have a say in the Aussie YA that's going to come up in the future, that, that like, teenagers are going to reach for on their bookshelves in the future. And I was, again, surprised and looked around and did the whole what, who, me. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I said, of course, yes, it would be a complete honour. So I started, officially started in July last year, July 2016. We're now, you know, here in 2017, July again. We've come sort of full circle and I've uh, sold four manuscripts since starting up. Tell us a little bit about them because I know one of the people, well, I think I've, from my Instagram stalking, one of the people you represent was on uh, – Goodness me, the name escapes me. You can't ask that. You can't ask that on ABC. Carly Findlay. Yes. Yes. Carly so, Findlay. yeah, I just saw, like, that news just recently came out. So, yeah, yeah. tell us about so, her book. Hers is actually going to be um, an, an adult memoir, but it's going to have huge appeal to the young adult readership, I think, especially because mm. lots of them know Carly because she's very active online and she's a very outspoken appearance activist. But um, she has ichthyosis. And that's why she's an appearance activist. She talks about her condition and her disability. She's incredible. She gets so much flack online for just being herself mm. and talking about how she how she deserves to take up space and she doesn't deserve to be a, you know seen as a special snowflake and she doesn't deserve to be treated any less than because she has a disability. And she's absolutely incredible. She's one of my um, just funniest, kindest people I've ever met. <laughs> and I was so proud to be part of, you know, pitching her memoir out there into the world and now mm. it's coming out with HarperCollins uh, next year, late 2018, and it's going to be incredible and it's called Say Hello, um, Carly Findlay, F-I-N-D-L-A-Y. You should follow her on Twitter, follow her on Instagram and add the book to Goodreads. It's going to be 
be amazing. We'll we'll Definitely link everything. Will. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and I know there are some other bloggers as well. I think um, Margot from um, Project Margot McGovern. Yeah. Yeah. So we we I have sold her uh, young adult contemporary with a little bit of surrealism running underneath it. It's called Neverland. It's coming Ooh. out with uh, Penguin Random House. It is about. Ooh, I can't tell you without doing it. <laughs> um, it's, okay, it is about false Arcadian. Um, it's essentially about the way that we remember things as rosier than they really were and that to really move forward you have to actually confront the past honestly. Wow. Um, a young girl who is very troubled and she goes to live um, on a sort of secluded island, which is a bit of a safe haven for troubled teens and there is scavenger hunts, there's a lighthouse, Romance. Um, it's this sounds very, amazing. <laughs> oh, it is amazing. And, and there's a reason why it's Neverland, um, alluding to Peter Pan. It's about the whole, you know. Like Lost Kids never kind of thing. To, yeah, look, look, the Lost Kids and also never wanting to grow up. But also I think Margot speaks really beautifully about the fact that she recently reread Peter Pan by Jan Barry and was surprised at how brutal and violent it actually is. Like it's a mm. kind of genuinely scary story. Yeah, yeah like is. I think I've I think yeah. I've read somewhere that like one interpretation is that the children that Peter takes to the island are actually they dying. Actually died or, in the yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's why they're never yeah, like, growing up. That's so yeah. Margot's incredibly clever, but um, and she, you know she's just really really smart on it. And when she said mm. this to me, I was like, oh my god, everything falls into place. What? Yeah, it makes it, so it's much an sense. Amazing, <laughs> that's amazing. amazing book. That's Penguin Random House coming out. Uh, 2018 again. I mm-hmm. think that's April 2018. Um, that date could change, but it's called Neverland. And again, you can add it on Goodreads. But also, Margot's uh, Instagram account is Lectito, L E C T I G O. And she is writing a little bit about the editing process. And she's giving mm-hmm. a few little snapshot, beautiful snapshots on her Instagram accounts. Yeah, like her feet, her feet is beautiful. So, like, just follow for oh. the beauty of her feet. It's so nice. Stunning. So, I'm really. <laughs> relevant for us because it's obviously we live here, and yeah. I work at uh, the local newspaper obviously yeah. it's, we end up in like a bit of a catch-22 because um the jobs that are promised are obviously really big for us but then the environmental issues so as a journalist it's been um quite difficult yeah. for me to reconcile my own personal beliefs with like what I can see maybe for yeah, people are like people are crying out for jobs, and like this yeah. is a totally yeah. different issue. But yeah, it's very big thing here. It's very yeah, it's, it's a very and, like, interesting topic. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, Graham's a Queenslander. Mm. Uh, she teaches at the University of Queensland. Um, oh, great. She teaches Indigenous studies, so yeah. she totally understands all viewpoints of this, and they're, and they're all discussed in Borderland. But there's so also exciting. a bit of um, Indigenous magical realism um, pulling on their storytelling culture. Oh, okay, um, cool. It's, it's, it's very, very cool. And that's coming out with Hachette 
um, in July 2018, I believe. Um, Graham's a very awesome guy. He's actually a poet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he can, the guy can put a sentence together. Like, <laughs> you know, I read the first chapter of, of Borderland and I was calling him up and saying, oh my God, I want to represent you. Can I please have this? <laughs> uh, so I'm really looking forward to those. And then I also have a non-fiction middle grade by Christy Byrne called The Human History of Computers, of uh, Computing, coming out with Zoom as well. Oh, wow, that's very yeah. cool. talking about own voices and diversity and stuff how do you see that problem being or not problem yeah problem how do you see that being solved or starting to be addressed in the publishing industry yeah I mean absolutely it is a problem um and and if we don't address it as such then I don't think it's going to get fixed you know we have to actually know how big the problem is to address it and address it honestly um and i by no means, I mean, Anita Sarkeesian, who does Feminist Frequency, says, um, be critical of the media you love. And I really take that to heart. Be critical of the media you love. Yeah, I love I love, mm. I love Australian young adult literature. I love it. But I'm critical of it, and I'm critical of the fact that not everybody's stories are represented. And I'm only critical of it because I know it can be better. Yeah. But, you know, if, if I didn't love it, I wouldn't care so much. But I do. And I really care about the, the Australian teenagers who are growing up now who do not see themselves in the pages of books. Mm. And I really want to change that. But you're right, it is a systemic problem. And it's not just about, I mean, the books are there, the authors are there, the writers are writing these stories. What is a problem is the mechanisms we have for finding those writers, for one mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Not, not, not everyone comes up via a university degree doing a thesis that then becomes a published book. Mm. That's not every that's not everybody's pathway. We've got to stop thinking that it is. Um, it's also things like who is on an editorial team? Yeah. Who is, you know, at a, at a publishing house, who is sitting around the table reading these manuscripts and deciding, oh, that's not really for me, that doesn't really reflect my life. If your life is heteronormative, white, then of course then of course you're not gonna, you know, connect with those stories. But look around you and are those all your colleagues as well? So it's every, it's, it's every aspect of publishing. It's not just, you know, up to the agents. It's not just up to the writers. It's not just up to the editors even. It's every aspect of publishing, even things like marketing departments. Marketing yeah, departments definitely. And, and, and sales teams have a huge say in the manuscripts that get acquired at a publishing house. Mm-hmm. And, again, if the heads of those sales teams and marketing teams are older white men, then, of course, that's a roadblock, you know. That's a very limited worldview that they have. Uh, so it's every aspect of publishing that needs to change. 
I've, I've been speaking sort of recently. I wish that more people who want to break into the industry knew exactly how many jobs there are in the industry. I think lots of people who say they want to be in books publishing only think about being a writer or being maybe a publicist or a bookseller. But there are so many more roles throughout an industry. Like, you know, you should really try and be a sales rep. You should really try and do editing. You should really, you know, um, even like a, a books controller, you know, everything. The industry has so many opportunities for people to come up. And you don't have to stay in that role forever. I certainly know lots of sales reps who have gone on to do amazing other things in the industry. But I think one way that we start breaking down the systemic issues of who gets to, who gets to tell their story is by looking at all the different rungs of the industry that haven't been diversified yet. Yeah. And that's a really big issue. But mm. if we start addressing it, maybe we can start breaking yeah. it down a little bit. We can start seeing some change. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that social media is helping with that, especially, you know, when you're looking for new voices and new writers? Do you think the the prolific use of social media by pretty much everyone is helping for those voices that might not have been heard before to, to get a chance to be heard? Look, I'm always going to be a big fan of social media because social media is a place where things like own voices got mm. the, the, the term got coined. It was and love us, way, eh? <laughs> yeah. And love us, way, yeah. Hashtag and love us, way, eh? Yeah. These these were all online movements, and they were online movements. I think the key is that they were online movements in youth culture. Um, you know, I'm not surprised that YA, not just Australian YA, but YA generally, is the one area of books apart from perhaps romance where there really is a community feel. And that's because we have it, that's because it's young people talking to each other. They have found ways to use social media to help them find books and help them find written recommendations and to talk about books. And I hate the way that social media always gets labelled as a problem. Yeah. And so I mean that, that's something that should be less yeah. bad because actually social media has been amazing to the books community to actually bring the community together. And it's the way the word of mouth happens now it's exactly. on tumblr it's on instagram it's on mm. twitter you know so social I, media I think, is the new word of mouth yeah yeah i don't think that's a bad thing at all i think it's amazing that this huge group of teenagers have come together and used social media to talk about books and that's incredible it really that is, is amazing that's that is fundamentally awesome to me so i'm always going to be a big supporter of social media um, like i said it's where own voices got got coined, the term got coined, off the back of we need diverse books. Lots of people misinterpreted we need diverse books as I'm going to tell your story for you. Yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah, that wasn't what we need diverse books was trying to say. It was trying to say we need more uh, characters and creators to tell those stories because they are their story. Yeah. Uh, So Corinne Davis, who is a disability activist again and, and also author, coined the term Own Voices for when a creator and a character share the same um, uh, minority background. Uh, again, Love Osway A started online and, again, started predominantly with young people just talking to each other. <laughs> and the fact that they, that they chose to talk about books is amazing and heartwarming to me. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think social media is a way forward. And by all means, like, publishers are paying attention to what is being said on social media. They, but they may not always be great about engaging with it because, again, I also think they want to acknowledge that a lot of those spaces are for teenagers and they don't want to encroach on that space. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a couple of years ago, 
Teams Go it was Teams to the Front was the other hashtag. Okay. Acknowledging acknowledging that YA is for teenagers and that adults encroaching on teen spaces is making it not a safe space and not a space where they actually want to talk to each other. And I know that's a discussion that's been happening on Twitter in the past few months as well. Yes. I've seen that yeah, happening. very much, yeah. But, I mean, it's not really my place as an adult to, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've just seen it because we're adults now. Yeah, neither of us. I don't know (laughs) when I became an adult, but, you know, I guess we are technically adults. I don't feel like it most days. Yeah, no, me too. You know, I'm I'm, I'm turning 30 this year. uh, And even though I'm of the generation who was perhaps the first generation to read YA books that were marketed as such, Mm. um, I have to acknowledge now that I can still love YA, but it's not for me. Yeah. And I, I should I should most certainly not have the, the loudest voice talking over people for whom this is their world being reflected to them. Um, it, it's hard, though. I admit I don't always do it well, and, and especially now that I exist in this realm of being a literary agent. Yeah. Um, it's weird that I get to have such a big say in the books that are coming out. Um, you know, but by all means, I do always try to listen to teenagers. Very recently, I... Uh, went along to Inside a Dog, which is the sort of teen website of the Centre for Youth Literature. They have started the Dogs Advisory Board, which is literally just a group of teenagers who yeah. love books. Oh, that's so and, cool! Yeah, I love Inside a Dog. And, yeah, when I was and, when I was a, when I was at uni and still technically a teenager because I was like eighteen, I was um, one of the teen judges for the Inky Awards, which was an awesome experience. Awesome. Yeah, that's great! I didn't which, even know you did that. that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Surprise. Um, I think it was really cool because... Look up the Inky Awards. They're amazing. Yes, the Inky Awards are so cool. Um, And it was cool because... I went along to Dad recently. I went along to Dad recently and talked to the Dogs Advisory Board and they're all like 13, 14, 15-year-old teenagers talking about books who just want to know about the industry. And I actually let them read through my list of authors that I'm representing in their books. And I just asked them for feedback about it. I said, you know, anonymously, I speak a sticker post-it note on a page and tell me what you think about this book that I'm pitching. And I, I took those notes and I really listened to them and I'm trying to incorporate their feedback into, mm. like, moving forward with them. So any chance that I do get um, actually listening to teenagers is probably a really good idea if you're going to work in YA. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to be a youth literature advocate, which is a sort of term again coined by Adele Walsh who is the program coordinator at CYL Um, I think it is very important to be an advocate and that means not talking over and not belittling things that teenagers like and Mm. actually listening to them Yeah, funnily enough Oh yeah. well, like yeah, I know. Would have guessed. I am so excited for well, all the books that you've mentioned, but Borderland particularly. Like that sounds so cool. Yeah, sounds I'm so really excited for that. Um, oh, you know what? Look, I should probably try and, and score you guys an early advance copy of Borderland. Actually, you're <gasps> Queenslanders. Oh, that would be that amazing. Is so cool. <laughs> and you know what? Wait, we would be happy to have another podcast guest. So that would be really, hey, really cool. Hey, yeah. Hey, Graham. No, I'll, yeah. I'll look you up. Yeah, um, and we would I'm love to have him on the sure. podcast as well. If we're still doing it, then. <laughs> well, let's hope. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can't deny Borderland, Neverland, and Carly's memoir mm. are all going to be amazing. Oh, yeah, they sound so good. They sound amazing. Um, So I think we've kind of finished the interview a little bit. Um, but we have a really fun Australian question yeah. for well, you. Well, we, we think it's fun. We think this little <laughs> game is fun. Caitlin's going to oh, do it. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. 
So okay. we're doing Would You Rather. We're going to play Would You Rather. So, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So, Danielle, would you rather have to eat Vegemite with every meal or never eat another Tim Tam ever again? For the rest of your life. Oh, oh Vegemite. <laughs> yeah. Is that just because you love Tim Tam so much? I do. I really do like Vegemite. I feel like I could – I've watched enough MasterChef that I could incorporate <gasps> Vegemite somehow, like, you know, in a nice – way into every yes. meal. Yeah, I could do that. No, okay. no way. Yeah, and, and then course, you can still eat Tim Tams. Exactly. <laughs> you can't give up Tim Tams. Of course it? not. <laughs> Although I have to say, this question's actually really easy for me to answer. I'm actually gluten intolerant, oh, I just, so I can't oh, eat either. <laughs> oh, no. So I guess I'll never eat another Tim Tam. Oh, unless it's gluten free. That's all right. I'll just, I'll just have your portion. I'll yeah. Your portion. I, will, I will take that. I'm, I'm, I have to say I don't really like Vegemite that much, um, but I definitely love Tim Tams enough to eat it with every single meal. So (laughs) give me the Vegemite. Actually, Vegemite is like the secret, it's not secret now, obviously I'm saying it on the podcast, secret ingredient to my bolognese as well. Just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. I've just given away my cooking secrets. Like I'm basically Annabelle Crabbe here. Put Vegemite, put Vegemite in your bolognese. Just like I don't even know how much I put in. I just big, big old chunk of it. It's really good. Oh wow! Okay, like a wallop. Yeah, like a huge amount, and just stir it through with everything. Yeah, I have never heard of that before. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. I like it. I like it. Well, there you go. Well, if you put Vegemite in your bolognese, then you can have your Tim Tams. Yeah, exactly. That's how you get around it. And then, you know what, eat spaghetti bolognese for every meal. Done. And who wouldn't be happy with that? I love spaghetti bolognese. I love pasta. I love carbs. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do love carbs, but yeah. I don't know if I can do that. I, unless there was bread with it as well. Is there bread with it? Oh. Like garlic bread? You can have garlic bread. Yeah. yeah. Okay, then fine. Okay, then I'll do it. I love bread and I love cheese. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep, that is so good. Include those things. I'll happily eat it for the rest oh. of my life. Yeah, done. So on Tim Tam, sorry, what's your favourite flavour? Are you like an original fan? Oh, or? original. Yeah. No, yeah, original. I will occasionally go for caramel. Oh, like yeah. Like the gooey caramel. Yeah. Nice. But yeah. all the other, um, you know, bastardisations of Tim Tams, I can do that. <laughs> um, what yeah. about like the double coat ones though? Oh, double coat still no. counts as original, I reckon. Does it? Yeah. I think that's, that's the original, original. flavour. It's not like these these Adriana Zumbo ones that are like exactly. insane flavours. Alright. Yeah. Can we go back fully original and make sure there is the same amount of Tim Tams as were in the original packets? But I feel like we've lost about three Tim Tams oh, from good modern packages. I agree. Like, we totally have. Like Pringles, the packet, like the, yes. the tin got smaller. Oh, my yes. hands got fatter, but no, the tin got smaller. <laughs> the tin got smaller. But um, my dad, like, bought some of those mint Tim Tams, and I was like, well, this defeats the purpose oh. of buying both Tim Tams and those Arnott's mint slides. Yep. Staples of our fridge. But I have to say the mint Tim Tams are actually pretty nice. Still an original person, but, like, I'm going to eat them. Let's be honest. Like, I'm not leaving them there. I'm eating them. It's fine. Well, if, if, I, if I have to, I'll go out and I'll Five mint slices of Tim Tams and then the Tim Tam mints, and I will compare all three. You if know I what? Have to do that, I will. Yeah, you know, you have to do that. Yeah, you have to do that. Yep. 
It's just it's, you, it's a special <laughs> better words experiment. Report back to us, please. <laughs> done and done perfect thank you so much for being on the podcast today we really appreciate it thank you so much for having me and i hope you keep enjoying begin and begin we we will we've not finished it yet but we're so enjoying it i'm sure we'll enjoy the rest and the second volume and the third volume (laughs) and the the fourth fourth. volume (laughs) um okay we're putting it into the universe it's gonna happen yes exactly (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, Danielle. We had a great time. Yeah, it was so fun. So great to talk to you. So everybody who's listening should be already following Danielle on the socials. But if you're not, you can find her on Twitter at Danielle underscore Binks and at Instagram on at, oh gosh, I'm really mucking this up. (laughs) (laughs) On Instagram, you can find her at dbinks. Um, if you'd like some more information about the Love Oz YA anthology, of course, you can find out through Danielle's socials, but you can also follow at Love Oz YA on Twitter and Instagram, where you'll find a lot more information about great Aussie YA in general. So if you enjoyed the anthology and don't know where else to look for recommendations, they are the places to go. Um, you can also follow us, if you so desire, on Twitter and Instagram at Better Words Pod and find us on Facebook at Better Words Podcast. If you'd like show notes from today, you can go find our website at Better oh, Gosh. <laughs> Websites don't have an at, Michelle. Our website is just betterwordspodcast.com. Thank you, Caitlin. Clearly, um, Caitlin is the marketing person. <laughs> so you can you can find us on there. And I feel like there was something else I was meant to Make say. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes and please leave us a rating and review. We absolutely <laughs> love you for listening. And we would love if you would give us some feedback, like how terrible are Michelle's skills at promoting her own podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) We love you and um, please join us next time, even though this promotion was terrible. (laughs) Caitlin, I'm going to leave it up to you next time. Oh, it's all right. You'll get better. Okay. (laughs) We love you for listening. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.